the pre-launch is really important because in the pre-launch, you need to get your audience in a place where they are aware that this Patreon is something that they want and need and ready and willing to join it. So that by the time you announce that the doors are open, they are at the edge of their seats waiting to join. Welcome to the Being in a Band podcast. I'm your host, Monica Strutt, and I'll be your new band bestie as we deep dive into all things music marketing, branding, PR, and release strategy, as well as the mindset it takes to succeed in today's modern music industry. I know the highs and lows of being a musician, and I've seen far too many of my talented peers give up on their dreams far too early in their careers. After working for years as a musician, professional digital marketer, and music journalist, I now help emerging bands break through the glass ceiling and reach the next level in their careers. Let's do this. What's up and welcome back to the Being in a Band podcast. I'm bringing to you the very first guest of 2021, Katie Zaccardi, who is a holistic music coach. She helps musicians really approach their career from a holistic perspective. So that includes not only the strategy of launching new music and creating a brand, but also the mindset. She is such a believer in uh, making sure that you have a really good work-life balance so that you don't burn out, so that you can have the most fulfilling career possible. And she's actually been on the podcast before. So she's the very first guest that I've had on the being in a band podcast more than once. There are so many guests that I'd love to have on uh, a second time. And Katie was definitely one of them. We are both hosts on the daily music business podcast, which is my other podcast that releases podcast episodes. You guessed it daily. And she shares a lot of words of wisdom there as well as on her own podcast out to be. So after you listen to this interview, definitely go check out the daily music business podcast and Katie's own podcast out to be. But as the month of January is all about planning, one of the things that you need to be planning for within your band is certainly how you're going to make revenue this year. I think that the topic of revenue does fall on the back burner for a lot of musicians because it's just assumed that that old belief that you don't make money within the music industry, so why even try, right, is true. So specifically in this podcast interview, we're going to be talking about how Katie started her coaching business within the music industry. She's a musician herself and how her coaching business brought an additional stream of revenue to her music career. And we're also going to talk about, you know, how working within the music industry and being a musician aren't two separate things. As a musician, you are your own personal brand and you are an entrepreneur. So naturally you need to have multiple streams of revenue, whether that be teaching, whether that be making money through merch and your band, or like coaching like myself and Katie. And a big part of generating revenue is making sure that you have an effective launch strategy for anything that you're going to be launching within your band or music business. Now, one of the things that I haven't touched upon on the podcast so far is Patreon. And I know that that's something that a lot of you are interested in because it is one of the more well-known ways of making additional revenue within your band, especially when at the moment, a lot of us are still unable to play live shows. So Katie's going to dive into what the different stages of launching something new are, how to specifically launch a Patreon, some of the nuances, and also some of the mistakes that she sees musicians and bands making when they're actually launching a Patreon. 
And also what to do if you feel too salesy. A lot of musicians are scared to promote whatever they have going on because they don't want to appear sleazy or salesy or like they're annoying people. So we also cover that. Before we get started, I will let you know that the Being in a Band membership is now open for enrollment and for a limited time, we have a seven day free trial. So you can go try out the membership for seven days, get access to all the masterclasses, all the Q&A replays and the Facebook group free. And I know you are absolutely going to love it. In January, we have a masterclass all about booking bigger shows, getting on bigger supports, getting on festivals, that sort of thing. And I think that it's the perfect time to talk about this topic because I mean, in Australia, shows are slowly creeping back and festival organizers are starting to book festivals for 2022 at the moment. And so it's a good idea to start thinking about, okay, how am I going to progress in my music career and how am I going to build my band so that we can get these bigger opportunities, which is really going to expose you to bigger audiences and is definitely a necessary stepping stone in getting your music career to the next level. If you're interested in the Being in a Band membership, you can head to monicastrut.com and go to membership or I've left the link down below. And as always, if you've got any questions, you can hit me up on social media. I'm Monica Strutt everywhere. But without further ado, let's dive in to my conversation with music career coach, Katie Zaccardi. Katie, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you, Monica, for having me. Do you know you are the first person on my podcast who's been on twice now? No way. (laughs) I know. I'm like, wow. I I am honored. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you haven't listened to Katie's first session on my podcast, then definitely go back and listen to that because we did talk about a lot of mindset stuff. But I think what we're going to talk about today is Well, there's a couple of things I definitely want to touch upon. I'd really like to dive deeper into your journey as not only someone who is a vocalist and a performer and then deciding to work in the music industry, but then I really want to dive into launching and particularly Patreon because I know that's something that you work with a lot of clients on and I haven't actually talked a lot about Patreon on the podcast. So yeah, really excited for today. Me too. Yeah. I mean, I think that when I last came on, I was really a wellness coach like because that's how I started coaching. But about a year ago, I noticed that I was doing so much strategy work with my clients anyway. Like, don't get me wrong. We were still doing all the mindset and wellness stuff. But a lot of them would come to me and say, hey, I want to work on this or I'm having trouble uh, with my mindset and with my strategy around my launch or my release. And so I've been focusing full force on strategy, especially as we enter 2020. I've really shifted to helping still musicians, but also music industry coaches be able to launch their Patreons, coaching programs or teaching programs and really scale their streams of income while, of course, making sure we're not burning out or getting super stressed along the way. That will always be, you know, a core um core asset of my brand and what I teach, but I'm really excited to be sharing uh, tips on launching and, and improving your income, growing your income during 2021 where we're still virtual and things have kind of like gone dry and we're feeling a little bit burnt out of like, how long can I keep performing or doing the same things over and over again? I think I need something new. So today we'll talk all about that. Yes. So excited. 
So when was the first point? Because obviously, I mean, I presume that like a lot of us, you were probably performing from like a young age. When did you kind of realize that if you were to have the kind of lifestyle that you want within the music industry, that you were going to have to diversify your income and start working within the music industry? I mean, I know that you worked in corporate, um, in, in publishing for a while, but I specifically am talking about when you decided to start your own business and kind of balance that lifestyle of being a musician and someone that works within the music industry, because I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of musicians kind of see those as being two separate things and one may actually distract from the other or something like that. How was that journey for you? Well, it definitely started when I was in corporate and just who I am as a person because I was always the kind of person who did multiple things. When I was in college, I worked an internship that I needed to do for school credit. I had a job working in finance, like an internship in finance that I just like had a hookup for. (laughs) Like it literally (laughs) had nothing to do with anything I was going to do for the future, but it paid me good money. So it worked. And I remember I would sit at my job and I would work on things for my music career and I would email the book gigs and I would do all this stuff um, like at my job, after my job, and I was always multitasking. When I graduated school, I started working in music publishing. I was still working on my artist career and I was now working with Women Crush Music. And so even then, I was balancing multiple things. Now, the catch here is that at that time, I wasn't actually making money doing multiple things, but I was getting a feel for what it was like to kind of dip your toe in a bunch of different areas and be able to grow multiple things at once. Now, I'm not saying right out of the gate that like, oh, if you are a musician or if you're starting a business, you have to do three things at once. Like that's simply not necessary. In fact, that was something that led me to burnout, which made me become a wellness coach in the first place. But I do think that it is important to have multiple streams of income because even if you're an artist, you can't make all of your money just from gigging or just from touring. We know how that worked out. So many musicians were in my DMs last year saying, I just don't understand how people are making money right now because I was making my whole living from gigging and now I'm making nothing. And that's simply not sustainable. To have all of your eggs in one basket um, as an entrepreneur, which you are as a musician, It's risky and it's not ultimately sustainable. And right now, as we go into the online world, it is really important for us, of course, to pivot in that direction if we haven't, if you haven't already. So I would say, I don't know exactly if there was like one point that I realized this, but I definitely was always someone who balanced multiple things. And then when I started my business, um, when I first started my business, I even had Uh, another part-time job. So I quit my full-time job, started my business and got another freelance job so that I would have two streams of income as I was building up the business income. And then as I went full-time in my business, I have multiple offers and still work on multiple streams of income through, I'm I'm not really doing much as a musician right now, just because, um, I, I'm not recording and you know, there's no live gigs to be had. So I'm just kind of like giving that a rest at the current moment. Um, but even just like selling old things online and gigging when I do gig, like I was doing some virtual cabarets when I kind of just felt like it and having multiple streams of income within the business. This has helped me to be able to grow and scale in a way that works for me and make sure that like if one program has to shut down or if one thing goes away, I'm not like shit out of luck. (laughs) Totally. And what was it about the entrepreneurial lifestyle that appealed to you so much? 
Oh my gosh. I think I don't everything. Like I had watched my parent do it, parents do it when I was younger, and it, it really wasn't glamorous when they did it. They owned a um, online and in-person coffee and kitchen business. So like back in like 2000, they sold coffee stuff and kitchen stuff. And they were one of the first like online businesses to exist really. And it, again, it wasn't glamorous, but at that time I just kind of saw the, it piqued my interest in being able to control my own life. And even though it was hard and I recognized that you got to control your hours. You got to control when you went. You know, my parents didn't have to, like, go off to business meetings and fly places because they were told to. Like, they got to control what they did. And when I was in college, again, I worked full-time through college. Well, part-time through college, I guess. Um, although it felt full-time because I was doing so much stuff. <laughs> and I always was just feeling like I do not want to be glued behind a desk for my whole life. Like, a lot of it even came down to physical things where I would get migraines and physical pain, like tightness in my neck and my shoulders. Like I went to physical therapy so much um, because that lifestyle literally physically did not mesh with me. And mentally, I was always just moving so quickly and not the kind of person who wanted to sit at a desk and... Uh, twiddle my thumbs knowing that I didn't even have enough work to like fill up the workday. Even if I did, it just didn't appeal to me. Then when I was working in music publishing, I thought it might be better because it's closer aligned to what I wanted. But at the end of the day, working for somebody else's vision just wasn't what I wanted to do. I knew that I had so many ideas that I wanted to bring to fruition. I knew that I wanted to help women in music and really, um, work hands-on with people. And that was just not something I could do working full-time. So that's why I decided to start my business. Yeah. I resonate with that so much, especially when I moved to Melbourne, um, which was about four years ago. Prior to that, I I'd worked in, um, similar industry to you. I, I don't know if I've told you, but I worked in, um, like royalty collection and distribution for the publishing industry. So oh, not okay. for, yeah, not for music, but for book publishing and visual arts. Um, very nice. And same thing, I got that job thinking that, well, this is in the arts, right? It's going to be creative, but it ended up being so stuffy and very similar to you. I would do my work in the first couple of hours and be sitting there wondering what to do. And I mean, it was good because I could book shows and I could organize um, tours and artwork or whatever was going on for my band at the moment. But there gets to a point where you're just like, oh man, like this is mm -hmm. not, you, you start like just sitting at a desk is just so not healthy for that for you know eight hours a day and when I moved to Melbourne again like what you were saying resonated with you about you know working for somebody else and building someone else's dream because um, I remember that feeling so strongly when I first moved here and working I purposely worked for smaller um, smaller companies like I, it was just me and you know my boss at one point in in one company that I worked for in marketing and I was just like oh my god I'm I'm literally building someone else's empire when I was seeing like, you know, especially if I got really good results, I was like, why am I being paid like nothing to make this person all this money and mm -hmm. make their dreams come true? Like this is just know. not worth it. Oh, I need the salary too. I'm not sure how it is in Australia, but I know in the States, like when I, when I was a senior in college, um, and I went to NYU, I studied music business. So like I was watching people graduate and get music industry jobs or, or not, <laughs> but they, when I was a senior, I remember hearing 
this is the crazy part, actually. I remember hearing about the guy who got the job that I actually ended up replacing him. Like, I got his job when I graduated, but the guy who got that job, they were like, oh, he got paid this really, what I thought was a very low salary. I was like, oh, th- he got this job. This is how much he's getting paid. And I was like, are you kidding me? Now, the salary I got, it wasn't that. So it must have been, it was like, I got paid $10,000 more than that. So either he got gypped or I just heard wrong about what he was getting paid, which is probably what actually happened. But even still, my starting salary was nothing special. And I was lucky enough living with my parents and not having to pay rent. But like if I had to pay New York City rent, I would have been struggling and basically living paycheck to paycheck with not a lot of wiggle room because it is tough. And I would have had to take on another job anyway. And I didn't want to work full time and have to do all this extra stuff to pay the bills and to be a musician, you know, hopefully make money doing music. But at that time, like, you know, I was just kind of getting started. It was just tough to look at this and say, I am not making enough money to even justify me staying here and being miserable. And I didn't hate my job. It wasn't awful. And I liked the people. But ultimately, I knew that like, I didn't want to waste my time growing here or forcing myself to grow there when I knew that ultimately I wanted to do my own thing. Absolutely. For anyone who maybe is working in corporate now or just working in a job that isn't fulfilling and they're doing music on the side and hoping that one day, you know, that band or, you know, their project gets bigger and they get signed and they're kind of waiting for that to happen so they can leave their job, which was what the position that I was in for so long. Where would you start if someone is curious about starting a side hustle? Well, the first thing I want to say is that you don't have to get signed in order to be able to leave your job and go full time in music. You can definitely start your side hustle in music, start your music career, and you can grow both of those things to be able to be full time without like having a label attached to you. That's not the only way to be able to go full time. But depending on what you're, where you're at and what your interests are, there are a few different ways you can go about it. If you have a full-time job, obviously your time's going to be a little bit limited, but it's up to you to make the decision to really commit to making that time outside of work, time to grow your music career and or side hustle. Now, I say side hustle because a great way to really increase your income right now are either by starting a Patreon or by starting to teach or coach on something that you are an expert in. A lot of people think, uh, even voice teachers, you know, oh, nobody wants to pay me for this, nobody has money right now, but that's just not true. Maybe not everyone has money, and of course a lot of people did lose their jobs given what we're going through in the world, but a lot of people didn't. And a lot of people are also willing to support those people who are small business owners right now, knowing what is going on in the world. And they want their kids to take voice lessons or they themselves want to learn about something like an instrument or um, how to record from home because they either are professional or just want to do it as a hobby. So I would ask yourself, um, if you are interested in coaching or teaching, ask yourself, what am I an expert in? Or what do I know enough about that allows me to be 10 steps ahead of somebody else? Because if you are really great at guitar or really good at teaching voice and you know how to teach voice or piano, or you you know really are into wellness or mindset and you wanna teach on that, figure out 
what you can teach on, and then you can monetize that by doing one-on-one lessons, one-on-one coaching sessions, or creating some sort of group program and launching that into the world as a sort of side hustle that can certainly still be attached to your music business or be separate. Now, I know that might sound overwhelming if you're like, ah, so many things now that I'm doing, I don't know how I would balance them all, but I want you to look at it really as another stream of income within your music business. Mm, Now, Patreon is another one of them as well. Sorry, what were you going to yeah, say? Yeah, no, that is um, a really important key because that's a mindset shift that took me a little while, admittedly, to get used to is that what I'm doing in my business is part of my personal brand, which is, you know, I'm Monica Strutt and like I'm a musician and I earn streams of income through music, but I also do this, this and this. I just think that that's a really important point to point out that you are your own personal brand and your own entity. And so if you look at it like that, as opposed to I'm a musician, so working in the music business, whether you're a teacher or a coach or whatever is totally separate to that. They're not, they're one and the same. You are a creator essentially, and you are an entrepreneur. So um, yeah, all these things are intertwined. Exactly. And whether you're ideal um, client or audience is like musicians, that'll of course kind of tie it all together more. Or even if they're not musicians, if you're teaching on something that's music related, or, you know, it could be totally separate. Like, I don't want you guys to rule anything out. (laughs) But most likely what you do and what you're an expert on and what you want to teach has something to do with your creative career and your music career. So it is going to tie in really nicely. And the other thing that I was going to say as well is that you are a great example for this, even, even more than I am. Because when I started, I just sort of was like, ugh. I'm just gonna be chill with the music career. (laughs) Like, I just didn't feel like forcing anything. And I'm kind of like, so, um, I always thought when I started my business, I was like, I am so afraid I'm going to get bored with this because I had always been doing so many things at once. But because there is so much to do within your own business, it never gets boring. That being said though, I made the conscious choice to like, chill out on my music career. And like I said, I've done some gigs and whatnot, but I'm not even going as full force in it as you are, Monica. So you are a great example of this, but it really goes to show that like, nobody's looking at you and is super confused. Like, how did she get here? And I don't understand what her brand is or who she is or what she does because you're really clear about it. And it, it makes sense. You're able to see the two, how the two things, um, go together and how you got your experience from what you're doing and how now we we trust you to teach us what you teach and whatnot. So definitely going for something that that really bridges these two things is going to make it easier for you to brand. If it happens to be totally separate, maybe you're a musician and you're like, I just love to read tarot cards and that's my business. Cool. But you can still make that a part of your brand as a musician And, you know, your ideal audience is going to be people who also are into kind of spiritual stuff and maybe you read tarot cards um, every day or like once a week or something and you also pitch that. And even though you're a musician, it's still relevant because if people like you for who you are as a musician, they're also probably going to like the other stuff that you do outside of it because it all encompasses who you are. I low-key want to be a tarot card reader. Like, I, like, don't really Me know. Me <laughs> I have, like, a separate arm of my business where I just, like, pull tarot cards for people. Like, I, like, I'm not very good at remembering what they all mean or anything like that. But, yeah, it's just, like, a side Wouldn't it be fun 
It would yeah. be so fun, I think. Oh my gosh. We'll <laughs> have like a monthly special where Katie and Monica pull tarot cards for people. Uh, I'm getting so into astrology right now and I got an astrological reading and I got a tarot card reading and they both said that somebody from my past is coming back and I'm going to have love in my life this year. So if that oh, happens, I will report back and let you guys know. <laughs> oh my God. And um, I realized as well that we're both Sagittarius's recently because you had a birthday around the same time as me. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that. That's so funny. Wait, when is your birthday? 24th of November. Um, I always forget November is our Sagis too. I yeah, I'm right on the cusp. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes, I just unite. <laughs> so before we dive into launching, there's just one more question sort of around starting um, another stream of income. And that's around what exactly coaching is in your words, because I, I know that obviously a lot of people know what a music teacher is and and they know what, uh, you know, courses are and everything. But what is a coach in your opinion? That's a great question. I think that the real definition of a coach, if you will, is not too far off of what you might think of a music teacher or, um, you know, someone who's educating. But really, a coach is there to help guide people to make the decisions that they want to make and kind of like an advisor or a mentor. Now, some coaches will take different roles, like some are more... um, just like mirrors and reflecting back what their clients said, sort of like life coaches, helping them really see what they're going through and work through mindset blocks and stuff like that. Sometimes coaches will really just like give you, like if you take a course, they'll just give you their strategy for doing something and you can roll with it on a self-paced way or maybe you're working hands-on and they're really helping you hands-on in your business to move forward. Obviously, it depends what you're being coached on, but I'm just using like business, music business coaching as an example here. Um, I think that like a teacher or a music teacher is going to be more um, formal almost, whereas a coach, you can really have a relationship. Well, that sounds bad because you have a relationship and a student-teacher relationship, but like you have a a way to go a little bit deeper into some things um, based on what you are working towards. So a coach is going to be able to really get into your business and like handhold you or guide you through what you need and help you see from a different lens what you're not seeing now as opposed to just like teaching you information. Mm, it's a really unique relationship. I remember when I was first uh, starting out and I, before I had any coaching clients, just starting out with a coach myself and they are a mentor and uh, they become like a good friend. But now yeah. that I have clients, like there's so many clients that I've had that I'm just like, oh, I never want this to end. Like I'm just such good friends with them by the end, even though there's always that kind of like professional line, but uh, you just like want the best for your clients and you end up becoming really good friends whilst also teaching them the strategy. Totally. <laughs> I'm so excited because today's podcast is brought to you by our friends at Band Zoogle. Built by musicians for musicians, Band Zoogle is an all-in-one platform that makes it super easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. 
all the features you need for a professional website are already built in, including hosting and custom domain name, dozens of fully customizable design templates. And let me tell you, they look super modern and fresh tools to sell your music and merch commission free, commission free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, social media integrations and live support from their musician friendly team seven days a week. Being in a band podcast listeners can go to bandzoogle.com. That's B-A-N-D-Z-O-O-G-L-E.com and try it free for 30 days and use the promo code being in a band, all one word to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. That's bandzoogle.com with promo code being in a band. And I've left it linked below. So when it comes to launching, what are the defined stages of launching something? I'm going to dive into Patreon in a second, but sort of just launching anything. Yeah. So the three stages I take my clients to are first stage, step one, creating your offer, step two, planning your launch, and step three, launching. This is actually going to be the same whether you're launching a group program, one-on-one teaching program, or a Patreon Obviously for a Patreon, the creating your offer part, it's a little bit more done for you because you're like working within the paradigm of Patreon, but the structure of Patreon, but it, those are the three stages that you have to go through no matter what you are launching. Awesome. And do you think that Patreon is a suitable platform for all musicians or is there a particular stage of your career where you think Patreon is most suited? So I think that it's a good uh, thing to consider for all types of musicians. I wouldn't say that there's any like type or genre that shouldn't be looking to Patreon because you can definitely, again, even though you're working within their platform, you can definitely make what you want to make out of it. However, I do think that it's not something that you should launch right at the beginning of your career. So if you are just getting started and you don't have much of an audience built up yet, then this probably isn't the best step for you yet. And it's just because you want to get your audience used to giving out free content first and really getting to know you a little bit more before you bring them into a paid community. With a coaching program, it's a little bit different because you can, um, I mean, even still, you want to have the runway where you're giving out content for free and you're, you're doing things for free to get people to know you and then you would pitch your offer. But with a Patreon, a lot of people will view it more, more as a VIP program, like a fan club almost, a community. So they're going to want to be a fan of yours before they are compelled to join your Patreon, take the next step and pay you monthly for access to you. So you do need to build a little bit more of a foundation up in your music career in general before you go ahead and launch a Patreon. Just say that um, an artist has been around for a little while and built up a bit of a fan base and thinking about launching a Patreon as another stream of income. What are the the things that they need to consider? Is there anything that you would recommend? Because I know Patreon works in tiers. How do you Mm -hmm. kind of navigate, you know, how much is too low or too high? Should you have a few different tiers to kind of get to everyone? Yeah, I, for most of my clients, uh, I recommend having two to three tiers, but it also depends on what you're doing. Like some people will run Patreons almost like as a crowdfunding campaign, but sort of in a different way. Like this isn't music industry related, but I'm even thinking of, um, Becca, I forgot her last name, Becca with a K from The Bachelor. (laughs) 
<laughs> in, in the U.S. And she and her boyfriend, who was not on The Bachelor, they're, like, watching her Bachelor season together. And so she started a Patreon, and I think it's one tier, and it's, like, five bucks. But in the Patreon, people are getting access to them watching it and giving their... It's, like, a podcast, you know video recaps of them watching it and it's funny and it's engaging for people who are fans of the show and it gives people who are fans of her another inside behind the scenes look at what she's doing and another touch point of access to her so let's say you're a musician and you want to take people just behind the scenes for your album you could do something like that where it's literally just like one tier behind the scenes for the album and I'm taking you through the whole album process or maybe it's like for the tour and so this is for people to like get a behind the scenes look of the tour or like get video clips of all the tours um and they're just paying for one tier and everyone gets access to the same thing and it's related specifically to a project or another sort of initiative um one of my clients I think she mentioned to me that there's like a songwriting month coming up in February um I could be talking out of my butt a little bit here but she was saying to me that there is something where people are compelled to write like a song every day, something like that. Or let's just say it exists, even if it doesn't. Yeah, I think I've heard of this, actually. Yeah, I, I don't know the name of it, which is why I'm sort of, like, uh, seeming like I don't know what I'm talking about here, but I swear I do. <laughs> um, but it exists, and so she was saying um, that she was thinking about doing Patreon for just this thing. Now, she actually has a Patreon already, so that we were talking about strategy, but I think, like, if you were going to do that where you take on a project where you're like, I'm going to write a song every day, or I'm going to write a song a week for six months, and you just want to focus your Patreon around that specifically and have one tier where you have people just be in on that project, and as that project goes, like, everyone in that tier gets access to the song, live streams, you writing it, blah, blah, blah. That could definitely work. Otherwise, though, usually it's good to have um, two to three different tiers for a more general month-to-month Patreon that's ongoing, and at each tier, of course, there are different perks. What do people need to be aware of in terms of the commitment around having a Patreon? Yeah, there definitely is a pretty big commitment to it, and so that's why planning in advance is really important as well. Uh, I... I always like make sure that my clients do not rush into anything. Uh, whether they're new or old, we're always planning in advance to make sure that we're getting the most out of a launch. And it's for the audience and it's also for the client. Because if you are just throwing it out there and you say, oh, I'm going to do all this stuff and I'm going to have all these monthly deliverables, and then you realize that that's actually so hard to, to stay on top of, you're going to be in doo-doo and you don't want that and you're gonna be really stressed and you're probably gonna burn out or you're gonna feel really guilty having to make the decision that you want to put it on pause or you can't deliver something that month and so I think it's a great idea to pre-record or pre-plan some of the perks that can be pre-planned some of them will be live like live streams so you can't pre-plan that although you can create the schedule in advance and put things on your schedule so you know what's coming up and what to expect but anything that can be done in advance whether it's one to three months in advance I generally recommend that so that you're not falling behind before you even get started now you get to decide what your perks are. So you get to decide how much you're putting into each month. That being said, if you want to have really high-priced, high-tiered, uh, or high-priced tiers, then you do need to be putting in enough to warrant that price, right? Nobody's going to buy in if they don't value what is in that tier. So if you uh, are not willing to show up for the time and effort that it takes to 
put everything into that Patreon and really deliver on what you promised, then you might uh, have to lower your tiers and just do like a cheaper tier, like a five or $10 thing um, and keep it a little bit more casual in what you're delivering. I mean, either way, I don't mean it should be casual in that you're making it up as you go. I just mean it's not as intense and you're not showing up as much as you might be with a higher priced tier. Cool. So how should we best market our Patreon once it's launched or even prior to it launching? So we're going to take you through a pre-launch runway, basically, where you, before you launch, you are getting your audience ready. (laughs) So as you're planning the Patreon, you want to be talking about it. You Definitely market research is a part of your strategy as you're planning your offer. And so at that point already, you can start to breadcrumb the Patreon and tell people that it's coming. We want to make sure, of course, that what you're planning for your Patreon is something that your audience wants. And that's really important to do in the market research phase. Then before you even launch it, there is a whole stage of pre-launch content that needs to go out um, because if you just, like I said, plop it out there out of nowhere, your audience is not going to be ready for this. They're not even going to know it's coming. They're not going to know why they should care and therefore they're not going to get in on it. So during the launch, which is probably the most um, self-explanatory part where you just get out there, you announce the Patreons out there, you get people in, you know, you have the welcome party, you do whatever you want to do. The pre-launch is really important because in the pre-launch, you need to get your audience in a place where they are aware that this Patreon is something that they want and need and ready and willing to join it. So that by the time you announce that the doors are open, they are at the edge of their seats waiting to join. And that's actually like the hardest part. Yeah, totally. And what is the biggest mistake that you see musicians making when it comes to launching or running a Patreon? Oh my gosh. It's hard for me to pick one. Like even we're running a free challenge and I'm doing the three, the free challenge we're running next week is on the three biggest mistakes <laughs> that we're making, uh, that, that you need to avoid making rather. Um, but I think that one of the biggest things is around like pitching and selling. And I see people just doing it too soon. They show up, they they launch, they try to sell their Patreon when their audience is not ready for it. And they think they're ready. They think everyone's ready with them because like they did the work behind the scenes. They planned everything. You know, they have the email scheduled or whatever it is. But like if, you're, if their audience is not ready and they're not in a stage that they're um, able to be sold to and they're not open to being sold to. And what I mean by that is that, again, they have to be aware that something is coming and that, they, that you have something that they need that's going to solve their problem or provide them a pleasure point, right? So they need to be ready. And if they're not ready, then... I often see musicians making the mistake of putting their stuff out there, forcing it, getting super desperate, claiming that they don't want to be like a sleazy car salesman, but then acting like one and then getting pissed off when nobody joins and and then like going into victim mindset. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And I was actually going to ask you about feeling salesy because I know that that can be one of the biggest fears is feeling like a sleazy car salesman and feeling like you're trying to scam people into whatever you're selling. How can people overcome that mindset of feeling salesy? Sales is what you make of it. And if you inherently believe that being that selling is like sleazy or gross or manipulative, then that's 
literally just a belief. So I would encourage you to seek out a truth where that's not the case. Like look at coaches or other people who sell that it doesn't make you feel disgusting (laughs) and like watch what they're doing and kind of like validate the truth that it doesn't have to be like this. But also it's pretty simple. Like if you don't want to be sleazy and gross and manipulative, don't be. But learn the strategies so that you can sell and you can prep your audience and you can launch your product and you can talk about your stuff and promote your stuff without it coming across that way and in a way uh, where, like, some of it is does come down to the actual tactics that you're using. But you get to choose the tactics, right? Like, so choose the tactics that are not sleazy or manipulative. And sometimes that even just comes down to like, not cold DMing people, asking them to join your thing when you've never spoken to them before. That's a little yucky. Don't, um, don't like DM people or, you know, spam people on your email list and write to them a million times and like push it in their faces and just like overwhelm people because they didn't buy or trying to get them to buy at the last minute or whatever it is. Like if what you're doing doesn't feel good, then the chances are it's not going to feel good to the person who's receiving it. So understand, and this is hard, it's, it's challenging to get used to and it takes some practice, but understand that Patience in sales is the most important thing because if your audience is properly warmed up and wants what you have, they will come to you. If they're not coming to you, then that's an indication that you need to adjust your content. You need to get clearer um, as to why this serves them and how this serves them and what they're going to get out of it. And you need to make sure that you are actually creating a community and a relationship with your audience instead of just having a one-sided relationship where you think they're watching you and you think they're ready, but they're actually not because you're not really holding up your side of things besides posting promo out there. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. So you are running a free challenge next week and I'll make sure that this episode goes up prior to that so that everyone can go and join. Can you tell us a bit more about the free challenge? How can we get access to it? And is there a replay? Yes. So the free challenge is called the three biggest mistakes to avoid when launching as a beginner and how to fix them. So the challenge starts Monday, January 11th at 7 p.m. Eastern, U.S. Eastern. So there will be a replay. If you can't make it live at those times, you can always catch the replay. They're only up for a limited time and you do still have to sign up. You have to be in the challenge to get the replay. But if you can't watch it live, don't worry, we've got you covered. So on day one, we're going to be talking all about about creating the right offer. On day two, we're going to be talking about warming up your audience. And on day three, we're going to be talking about having a confident sales strategy. So a lot of what we talked on this podcast episode, we're going to be going even deeper into in the challenge uh, itself. So I am so pumped for it. And to sign up, just go to katiezacardi.com slash free challenge. Amazing. And what else do you have coming up for uh, the next few months. I've seen you do a lot of kind of teasing online about all the things that you've got planned for 2020, (laughs) um, which is very exciting. What else do you have planned? Yeah, well, the free challenge, after the free challenge, we are going to be opening up the doors to my new program all around 
uh, launching. That is called Out to Launch. Like, Out to Lunch, but it's Out to Launch. (laughs) (laughs) My community came up with that one, and I just had to run with it. It worked so well. Um, So if you are launching a Patreon or a coaching program uh, or looking to sell out your music studio this year, really in the next few months, then this is going to be perfect for you. Um, So that is going to be opening up its doors this January. And in February, we will have the doors to the Out to Be Mastermind back open. So those that's what's coming up in the near future. Amazing. And where can everyone check you out on socials and um, around the internet? Yeah, so I'm at Katie Zaccardi on Instagram, uh, katie.zaccardi on TikTok, and katiezaccardi.com is where you can find all info about my coaching and about the podcast, The Out To Be Podcast. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and um, sharing your wisdom around, you know, your journey about starting your own business within the music industry and launching Patreon. I think the information is going to help a lot of people. Thanks so much, Monica. Thanks for listening to the Being in a Band podcast. If you liked this episode, then please hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an upload. And if you really liked the episode, then definitely let me know on social media. I'm Monica Strutt everywhere. And do leave me an iTunes review. If you aren't already a member of my free Facebook group, Music Marketing and Mindset for Heavy Bands and Musicians, come and join the community of business savvy musicians just like you. If you want to work with me, all my details are in the show notes and I'll catch you next time. Bye.